Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So it's a lovely Sunday morning here in Brighton and I'm just catching up with some admin. Today I've got a really exciting guest for you. I've got the CEO of Wagamama, Emma Woods. Emma's a real giant in the industry across food and drink, casual dining, and also entertainment and hospitality. Emma's worked with amazing brands such as Pizza Express, The Merlin Group, doing some non-exec stuff as well, which is really exciting. And of course, being the CMO and now CEO at the incredible Wagamama. I really hope you enjoy the chat I had with Emma. It was fantastic. So glad she gave up the time. So I'll leave you to enjoy. So it gives me the most noodle pleasure ever uh, to introduce to you today my friend, actually, um, and also the mighty CEO of the incredible Wagamama, Emma Woods. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You all right? Yep. So you've been travelling all around the world and craziness, but summer's been good? Yeah, no, really good. No, and we're opening lots of restaurants at the moment. We just yeah. opened in um, Stevenage. Aha, uh-huh. Bletchley, I saw. Yeah, and one in Bletchley. That was my old stomping ground. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're yeah. fantastic. They're really fantastic. Yeah. So you kind of can't ever not get excited when you open a new restaurant. Yeah. And the team is so excited. And the challenge is just to make sure that you, you pace yourself, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully we're doing that in both well, sites. I think that's sensible advice, you know, and, and we'll, we'll come on to that for sure because, you know, you're one of the ones that are just held up with great admiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're in every sentence of, I want to be like Bagamama and a couple of others and, you know, that's about it. So we can definitely get into that. But what I was super interested in, I mean, we've known each other for years, mm-hmm. um, but we've never properly sat down and had a proper, proper chat. But I was really interested in, yeah, where you all started and I guess you were flowing through into marketing and then to the great heights of what you're doing now. So it'd be really good to find out, yeah. you know, your, your background and what happened. So my background is I, it's kind of funny, I'm going to think back, I did science as, as, at school. Ah. I always did maths, physics and chemistry. And okay. And was, was kind of being drawn towards doing chemistry at university. And then the closer I got, the more I thought me a chemist <laughs> you know that doesn't quite work um and so sort of look spent some time at age 17 thinking is there a scientific kind of based course with a more human aspect that I could do and ended up doing experimental psychology at Oxford um and, and what does that mean and well it's a psychology course but I think the experimental bit was at the time, and I assume still today, the kind of the rock stars of the academic world are there creating the science. Wow. And so I had, you know, I was taught by a number of, of really eminent um, psychologists, including Richard Dawkins, who yes. wrote The Gene. I think probably, you know, I probably didn't appreciate it. You know, I probably turned up for, 
30 tutorials, you know, <laughs> a bit hungover from the night before and being taught by this master. And but, the, um, but it was almost impossible not to get very excited by kind of the subject because of the, of the nature of, of who, you, who you've been taught by and what you've been taught. And so I got really interested then in um, consumer behaviour, how we learn, how difficult it is to change behaviour, actually. Mm. Um, and so got to the point at the end of uni where you think, well, what do I do? And needed a job. And, uh, you know, I was with a cohort of people who were being drawn to do good, sensible things like be lawyers and yep. accountants and go to the city. And I just had a very strong conviction that wasn't me. But I didn't actually know what I wanted to do because my, my parents are teachers. So it wasn't like I had a whole series of, of examples of people who'd worked in business. Um, and, and I ended up in marketing by accident because I was interested in consumer behaviour and I got myself on a, a couple of summer placements with Procter & Gamble and Unilever mm-hmm. and could see in these placements that actually they both organisations had a real respect for, for the customer and how you, you, you um, marketed to them. And that marketing in those organisations was quite an interesting central role. It was an agent of change. And so I kind of ended up almost by accident there because I thought, well, I'm interested in behaviour, but I'm Mm. I'm not sure I'll be any good at this change bit, but I'll I'll be good at at the behaviour bit. Well, it's so interesting. There's a couple of things we were just talking about it. Now I'm I'm going back to school, mm, so um, going to do the, the the mini MBA thing and yeah, just see brilliant. if I actually know what I'm doing, um, which would be nice. But just on that point, though, Mark Ritson, I've been watching some of the intro mm. videos that you get sent, and mm. him doing all these bad gags and whatever. Mm. And within that, he talks about the importance of market orientation, mm. and to start there is such an interesting mm. thing, which is the needs and wants and behaviours of of the consumer. So I think. You know, there's not enough of you in this industry at all. There's sort of promotional marketers in a lot of ways, and they're starting way further up the river. But it's so great for you having that grounding and experience of understanding humans at a higher level to actually then, without being you know manipulative, in, but just changing behaviour and seeing trends and that yeah. Kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, I own almost all of what I believe. Mm-hmm to the sort of the brilliant training and that I had in Unilever. I mean, I was thinking a bit about it because we're going to have this conversation. I mean, when you work in an organisation like Unilever for as long as I did, I worked there for 17 years, it does shape who you are as a leader. And there were a couple of things that that were, we were taught almost, they were just, we weren't taught, they were just, they were just beliefs and that you, you absorbed. And the first was just a respect for the customer mm. and the importance of a, and as a, for you as a marketer of being on the customer's side mm-hmm. and that um and then the second one was and um, this idea that that brands can endure mm-hmm. and that you have a responsibility as a marketer to come in and look after a brand you're going to be a guardian you're going to be a guardian for a short period of time relatively mm-hmm. short in the life of the brand say three years yeah. and your responsibility as the leader of the brand is to leave it in better shape than you inherited it. Yeah. And there's quite, there's quite a strong sense of responsibility in the organisation around that. Certainly something I feel now with uh, Wagamama and my leadership of Wagamama. Um, but, but the, and then, then the way that you did that was you, you had to ma- be making sure that you were delighting your customers through innovation and, the, and a huge focus both on great product innovation but also on the creativity, the marketing, how you sort of excited people about, about the product yeah. in the way that... You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later on, but yeah. Greg's launched their vegan sausage roll. You know, they, they, they completely and utterly excited us about wanting a vegan sausage roll. You know, yeah. so it was a combination of a, a really relevant product, but mm. absolutely brilliantly, creatively executed. So there were these two really interesting things going on for me as you grew up in Unilever that you just absorbed and you just really what kind of practised as a marketer. And then the, the other bit that I suppose is, I hadn't realised how important it was until now I'm leading a business, was that... Unilever had all these great people values and, you know, it was a really fantastic people place. You know, you joined as a young person and people above you coached you, nurtured you because they in turn at their time had been coached and nurtured by people above them. Um, And, you know, there was all the training as well, but it was fundamentally a a very caring organisation and it believed in young talent. Mm -hmm. 
So it expected its 23, 24-year-old marketeers to do something extraordinary. Yeah. You know, they might get something, some bits of that wrong, um, but they'd rather have had, you know, a whole host of really brilliant ideas and two or three ideas that they had to go, oh, yeah, please, yeah. let's put those in the cupboard. Um, <laughs> and I, that certainly affected who, who I am as a leader. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I suppose as I've got a bit older, I've got more in touch with that. Um, yeah, so I was, I was unbelievably lucky in that mm-hmm. I stumbled into marketing. I stumbled into this amazing organisation, and um, and it's who I am today. So, when you're a marketer there, you know, from talking to people yourself and Mark Palmer and, and these mm-hmm. kind, of, you, I get the sense that you were involved in everything rather than just the one of the P's out of the market mix. Yeah, if you like. no, definitely. I mean, you. You have, and I think this is perhaps, the, we'll come on, I'm sure, and talk about the similarity between FMCG marketing and leisure marketing. But, you know, the similarity, one of the similarities is you own the brand. You have mm-hmm. to be the voice of the brand. So you do need to care about the pricing and the packaging and how it looks on shelf. And, you know, I can remember yeah. all sorts of trips around stores getting agitated about the fact mm-hmm. that my merchandising wasn't as good yeah, as I wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's a, it is important that it's a, it's a commercial role. It's a commercial uh, and role. did you own the P&L? Uh, well, you were always part of teams. And I think, the, the, again, the bit that was always brilliant about Unilever was there was always a commercial finance function that worked with brand teams. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a real sense of partnership. And, and then when you're working on big projects, and when, like when I was working on the creation of Flora Proactive, you work with fantastic technical people, really fantastic, amazing R&D people. So you kind of got this concept of the importance of cross-functional teams and what a cross-functional team can do, which, again, you see in our sector now. Do you think we see enough of that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a leading question. <laughs> I think we do in Wagamama. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. That's good. You know, and, and I think something I've been banging on about... And, Maybe it was a wee bit much, but I was seeing in a lot of ways we're a generation behind in this industry for, for marketing. You know, with the smaller companies, for example, because you've kind of got one person doing everything, you know. So it's really good to know that the companies that everyone's admiring have these disciplines that hopefully some other people could learn from. Do you know what I mean? Um, it'd be really nice to see a bit more discipline in the industry for sure. Um so, in terms of, yeah, it, it, the differences then, you know, big, mighty FMCGs versus that more sometimes intangible thing of leisure. Um, I think the really big, there's one really big similarity and then there are two uh, huge differences for me. So, the similarity is that if, if we're talking about the marketing leadership role, is that you need to be the, the champion of the customer and the champion of the brand. You mm-hmm. know, really the champion. You need to understand your customers. You need to worry about... Uh, the brand execution you need to worry about what people are thinking about the brand so there's that kind of you know I remember when I was a young marketer you know I would almost introduce myself as part at parties by the brand I was working on you just need to (laughs) feel so excited about the brand that you are leading so that's a big similarity the difference there are two important differences for me though and it took me a while to appreciate them when I moved into leisure the the first is that a brand a leader in our sector delivers through people. Mm. So in the case of Wagamama, it's the 6,000 people on the front line that deliver the Wagamama experience. Um, And your responsibility as a leader is to inspire them, Mm -hmm. to inspire them with what the brand is about, Mm -hmm. as well as to excite the customer. But I think actually the order of the, the things I've just talked about is important. You have to, have to, have to have teams that really believe in, in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it means that you have to um, work very, very closely with whatever the internal comms function is or be the internal comms function. Mm-hmm. Um, well, quick in, question. Where should internal comms sit? Um, One of the hardest questions, questions ever. ever. Yeah, well, I mean, I... <laughs> I've seen it sit in different places. So I've seen it report to me. I've seen it report to the HR function. Um, but, you know, it is completely central to what the marketeer does. So that's, the, that's the, the first thing. And then the second thing I think that's important when, when you think about the sector we're in is we are selling 
versus selling FMCG products like margarine, tea, skincare, the sort of products I worked on before, we're selling more emotive and more emotional experiences, Mm -hmm. which is a real pleasure uh, when you get it right. But the table stakes for our customers are much higher and we do get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what's important for the marketeer to understand is the bandwidth for delivering that experience. So, And I think it's quite narrow in restaurants. So... There are four kind of moments, key moments, really, where, where if things don't work out in quite the right way, you ruin an, a, a person's night out. So, you know, you, you, you're standing at the door and you can't, you can't get seated, although you can see there's tables. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, oh, God, what's yeah, happening? Yeah. You know, you sit down, you want to order and so you can relax and talk to your friends. And again, you can't get the waiter's attention to come over and take the, your bloody drinks order. So that, that ruins your evening. Your food... Your food can take time to come, especially if you're told it will take time to come, but it's got to come hot. And then the the fourth one is obviously that sort of nightmare of trying to, you want to get out and you can't pay the bill and you can't get anyone's attention and then somebody's wandered off with the PDQ machine. So, and I think you've got to understand the bandwidth for the experience and then and then you've got to be prepared to sort of lean in and say well how can I as the marketeer support my teams to help deliver that more effectively are there things I can do are there are there ways I can train people are there are there you know other tech solutions and and it's so those for me are the two big differences you deliver through people got to motivate the people and you have got to understand that it can go wrong and how can you help your organization reduce the number of times that it yeah. goes wrong and then recover from it when it goes wrong. Well, just going back then, you said about, you know, engaging with the people and, and, and all that sort of stuff. What do you think, you know, in terms of, um, you know, how you get them to care about the brand? What's, is there any sort of magic ways when you've got 6,000 people to actually care about what's going on? I mean, we spend just a lot of time um, out with teams, talking to teams at all levels. You know, um, uh, I mean, we, and I'm, like I see, and I, you know, if I think about other leisure businesses that I'm either involved with now, like the gym group or I was involved in, you know, good businesses do this. Mm. You know, they have, have, you know, they want to, they have, they, they put a lot of energy into, into comms. I mean, we, we, we have a huge conference, we have a monthly meeting cycle, we have um, Facebook platforms, we have, um, you know, the equivalent of WhatsApp platforms. We're just talking to people and also, and also listening. Mm-hmm. So the listening bit is really important and making sure, I think, that people feel they've got an opportunity, they feel part of the business, they want to contribute. So when we come on and talk about innovation, which I'm sure we will, yeah. um, I mean, a big source of our innovation idea is here in Wagamama is our teams yeah. Yeah. so if we talk about the vegan innovation you know we spotted it was a trend we got vegans who work in our restaurants to come and tell us about it yeah. and tell us what they felt about it I mean that, that was just one of the smartest moves ever mm. I mean I think I remember seeing Andre mm. presenting about it mm. or, or maybe talking about it and I just thought that was just mm. one of the, the, the best things mm. ever when he was yeah but the it. idea for you know the idea really took hold because what we realised, you know, we accidentally was we had, I don't know, 10% of our population serving customers who were already vegan. Yeah. So I just think that good businesses put a lot of energy into talking to their teams and listening to their teams. Yeah, yeah. And then just thinking about um, sort of moving on from, you know, Unilever then, what, what was sort of next? What was next? So... Um, well, I um, joined Pizza Express uh, when I, in about, I, I'd been in Unilever from 21 to 38, you know, 17 years. It's a bit terrifying. I was heading towards 40 and, and just suddenly had this moment of wanting to work on, on brands which, which mattered more to me. And at that time, I, our family spent every Friday night in Pizza Express having a bit of a debrief on the week. Yeah. And I got a, a call from a headhunter to say, would you come and, uh, would you be interested in the Pizza Express role? And I said, at the time, I, I was very committed to Unilever. So I said, no, 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 but I love the brand and I've got a point of view on what they should do. And so I went along and talked to uh, Harvey Smythe, who was running the business. And he went, we had such a good conversation about how you could evolve the brand. that It, was, it felt very natural to move on to Pizza Express. Um, yeah, so was then there, worked there for nearly six years. Um, 
and sort of kind of had a, an easy ride pre-recession and then went into a recession and then kind of came out again. And so I sort of saw the, a business go up and down a bit, um, which and makes me uh, very, I, I suppose, a weeny bit anxious about what's about to come round the corner just because it, it is, you know, our sector does get affected by uh, yeah. consumer downturns. So, um, but it's a great business. So it's a, re- a really fantastic place to learn about leisure. And what did you learn then? What were the, the highs and the, the lows there? Well, I mean, the things I'm proudest of um, in Pizza Express were were some of the innovations that we brought to market. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the Legera pizza, which mm. is still on the menu, yeah, yeah, 10 yeah, years on, is, is something that has got my name on it. it. Yeah. Um, but there was a whole bunch of innovation that we brought. We bought Dolcetti, which were these small, um, small desserts. We bought... We did some work and brought gluten-free pizzas, but included that included changing the flour in the restaurant so there was no contamination of um, for, for any any celiac. So there were some big moves that we made on innovation, and they were all uh, they were all really insight-led. Yeah. And so there was a respect for the customer, and the the team was fantastic because you know the challenge with uh, innovation in our sector is almost invariably it requires the operators to <laughs> to get do something it. get behind it yeah. and it, it that you know making a legera pizza is much more difficult than rolling out a classic pizza yeah. you have to take half a dough ball you have to uh, stretch it very thinly you have to make sure it doesn't you cut out the middle you make sure it doesn't burn as as you cook it you fill the center with the salad you know i mean there's the, the it was a new skill for the team yeah. um and it was a credit to the sort of ops team ops director md at the time that they kind of they went with it and got excited by it and healthy relationship with ops um i think that yeah there was a very healthy relationship with uh-huh. ops. i think i mean i think i do think there needs to be a tension between ops and marketing I mean, sure. they need to they need to love each other but at the same time if the marketer isn't giving the ops director a hard time he or she isn't doing <laughs> their <laughs> job yeah, yeah. because otherwise they're not moving things forward yeah. um but yeah there was there was a good relationship and I'd say there was, you know, good, a good respect and good tension. And, and sometimes we got it wrong. I got it wrong. I remember launching a range of pizzas with Francesco Matsai, which were just sensational. Mm-hmm. And I put truffle paste on them. You know, the, the cost of a, of a, a tube of truffle paste is, is quite extraordinary. It was then and I'm sure is, is yeah. now. And, you know, if you, if you open one in Winchester and don't use it and have to throw it away, you know, your wastage goes through the roof. Yeah. And, you know, so they, they, I got permission to do those sort of things and, but, and learnt pretty quickly. But, you know, it was to the credit of the leadership team of Pizza Express that we did that. And that was, you know, a big, big thank you. Yeah, and, go, and going back to the Unilever stuff as well, you've got to try things, right? And, you know, and I remember, you know, the, the Pret side of things and everyone remembers all the stuff that Julian did that worked. But, you know, from what I hear previous to me, I mean, Carly, maybe we could tell you more, but, yeah, there'd be a hundred things that didn't. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and that's the things you'll be remembered for. You know, if you didn't innovate, you didn't do the Legera, someone else would have. You yeah, know? I think, that, I suppose the point I would make is, on this podcast is for every successful marketeer, there is an amazing operator behind them. Because yep. you, again, you don't, you don't deliver these products and put them down a factory line, which is what you do in FMCG. You deliver these products through people yeah. and it's the operators that make that happen. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember getting You know who you are. Big thank you. <laughs> Big hugs. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk.
Hashtag ad. So talking about um, some innovation then, also, you know, at Pizza Express, digital landscape. So you've got a load of firsts under your belt, right? So payment apps and that sort of stuff as well. I mean, that was shockingly, head-turningly brilliant at the time, you know? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you kind of go back to the kind of consumer issues that get in the way of a great experience, one of them was and still is this one about I want to leave, I want yeah. to pay my bill. And, um, and you know, we'd identified that. I mean, this was a, a, a leadership team that were very focused on the customer. And so actually we... I remember putting that brief to the IT director at the time, mm-hmm. John Sullivan, who's now the CIO of Virgin Trains, and and it's really him that that, that ran with it. I mean, it was the it was a the first example for me of the importance of the CIO CMO relationship. And John had an amazing relationship with PayPal, as good CIOs often do with tech suppliers. Mm-hmm. And you know, PayPal were looking to kind of prove a point in terms of how innovative they were mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so we launched it then, and you know, looking back, it was it was a real achievement. But it was it was a sign of the way I would I as a marketeer would need to work. And since then, I've worked really really closely with all the CIOs I've worked with. And and what's important in my team now is that the CMO and CIO work mm-hmm. together. And in fact, they sit together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then sort of looking at dates, so. Having come from an e-commerce business myself years ago at, at lastminute.com, you know, the the importance of data and, and what you did with it, yeah. and you mapping that to, yeah. you know, almost neuroscience or neuromarketing and, and things like that. Um, I, th- I mean, I think that I'm really excited now about the sort of the data that's available to us as marketers in kind of in in our sector that we didn't have when, yeah. when we started. And I, I think... I'm particularly excited about kind of using, aggregating um, and anonymizing data and then using that to help you see patterns of customer behavior. Mm-hmm. So if I give you a couple of examples, um, I'm a non-exec of the gym group. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a digital business. Consumers join online and then they have a number which they enter into a portal. So we can see, I can see if you joined. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of how often. We'll you, talk about that after, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, need, I need it, I need it. How often you came. But the, the brilliance of the, of the aggregation of the data is actually what you do is you look at thousands of people who are, uh, are joining and, you, and you know, the data shows that if you join, um, you need to establish a habit in the first month. Right. And that habit might be going twice a week, it might be going once a week, it might be going once every two weeks, but it's a habit. And unless you've established a habit mm. in the first month, we probably won't have you by month three. Right. And, you know, so, so it's looking at it like that, you then go, well, hang on a minute, as a team, the team has then spent time thinking, well, how can we help people form a habit through the, the digital guest join journey, but also for it, through the way we welcome people in the gym and yeah. how we make it easy. So that's, you know, it's a brilliant example of how just understanding the aggregating data can help you and we're, we're using aggregated data here in Wagamama um, so we we there are kind of a couple of sources we once a year we take a huge bank of credit card data and do get a read on our you know our types of customers what they're spending how often they're coming where else they're going and if you do it by annually as we've done in the over the last three years you can then get a sense of change yeah and and that'll be interesting as going to a recession, sort of having that as a as a, a yardstick. But then the and then the other thing we've done is we have asked customers in restaurants for their for, for feedback uh, by restaurant, and so we've now got about three hundred fifty thousand records. So you get a real pattern of whether the restaurant's performing, yep. going up or down, and all anonymized. Um, so this is interesting. You talk about anonymized, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of clients you know, having it, I had it spectacular, are talking about this holy grail of single customer views and all the rest of it. Mm. So, yeah, what was that? Are you doing that too? Um, we, we're not, no. Yeah. No. I'm not a big fan. I, th- I think it's too creepy. Yeah. It's I too much. Something. I mean, I, ha- I have done it in previous roles. I, I think there's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of Big Brother about it at the moment. The bit that's, I kind of come back to Unilever, when when brands and businesses do it and they are on the customer's side, it's actually really helpful. Mm. So sometimes I do find the Amazon, have you thought about this? Amazon helpful. for sure, yeah, and, yeah. And Waitrose, you know, or whatever the shop is that you shop, you know, people, have you thought about trying this product? Mm. So I think it's just, 
it's just having that lens of are you trying to help the customer have a better yeah. experience and if you are then that's probably a good thing or are you trying to sell more stuff or are you trying to flog things? yeah yeah <laughs> it's usually the latter <laughs> yeah but no I, I think it's really good again going back to your, your experimental psychology side of things just anonymising that and taking that micro view and saying like where's this all what's yeah. this telling us yeah um, and also you know just kudos to you to be able to interpret that because that's such a skill that is lacking I think as well in, in our industry you're talking about a lot of data coming in yeah there's yeah. not enough of those I don't think but I mean I've got a couple of very very good clever people yeah. who can that do... you're keeping they're not for sale <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to give you their names <laughs> <laughs> uh, no they're amazing. they're amazing and uh, uh, the people that work in it's the gym great. group are amazing yeah it's, it, you know if you can get more people from e-commerce coming into our industry that, that talk this language you yeah. know to be able to yeah. really interpret it you know. um, so then the call from the noodle now, I had this, I had a call and I was standing in my kitchen with my uh, children and they're all teenagers and and um, I think it got cut off and I said, I said to the kids, oh, somebody's calling about Wagamama, Wagamama job and and they went, you've got to take it, we love <laughs> yes, Wagamama. Absolutely. So I got a sense immediately of um, how important Wagamama was to young people. Yeah. So these are all um, teenagers um, and... and so I joined uh, about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And what were your first thoughts when you arrived? I think the it's just a brilliant business. It was created by somebody incredibly innovative um, in Alan Yao. But what is so fantastic about it is that the people that have since led it, because it's now 27 years old, um, have managed to maintain the sum of the spirit of the founders uh, and evolve it. Because um, actually that's quite hard, though, as you, you see you see cultures in particular getting diluted with age so it's a real credit to the people that have led the business and so some of the things that we know about Wagamama actually weren't the founders so the handhelds which are so instrumental to delivering the food fast the handhelds that the servers take that send the order to the KDS screens so the chefs can cook very quickly for people Um, that was Ian Neal you know and then, um, and then in 2009, um, the leadership at the time made the decision, and it must have been quite a difficult decision, uh, to actually back out of discounting. They were doing a lot of discounting, but they backed out of it. Mm. So they went into the recession backing out of discounting as everybody else went into the last recession going into discounting. You know, that's a real, that's a culture that's zigging when others zag. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just felt at home here, yeah. I think. I, felt, I really felt I was coming home. I mean, one of the things we haven't talked about, but is this, is the importance of working on things that you identify with, that you mm. feel. And, and I've and I have have increasingly realised as I've gone through my career that I'm very motivated and get sort of personal energy from delivering well-being. Mm. You know, it might be it might be physiological well-being in terms of a healthier products as it was in Unilever, a healthy margarine or a, a weight loss tool or, or psychological well-being. And, you know, a restaurant experience is generally a fantastic sort of pick-me-up. Yeah. And the, the wonderful thing for me about Wagamama is it combines both. Yeah. You know, the food is fantastically fresh and nutritious. And then it's served in environments, you know, these long benches where you, you come in and it's a bit chaotic, but you sit next to anybody and, and, and everyone and you feel somehow it relaxes you. So you, mm. you get this sort, of, this sort of nourishment from bold to soul. Well, I, we'll talk about that too. I mean, I think that's really important with you being an honest person as well. I think a lot of people, it's just a job and they'll do it and they don't really believe in it, but they'll take the cash and thanks very much. But it's so great that your almost your personal purpose and your job purpose yeah. or your brand purpose sort of seem to just match brilliantly, and, yeah. and that must make you want to get up in the morning. Yeah, um, but actually, I would say, I mean, it does. It really does. I mean, I mean, working in this business and leading this business, I just you've got a huge um, spring in your step. But um, but I think that's true of lots of people that leaders in leisure, and I mm. think that in a way that differentiates people in, for me in leisure great people in leisure I mean people do care oh, yeah. you know, the people running Nando's care the people running Prep care the people running Pizza's Express care the people running Total Bay care I mean they, yeah, they yeah. really really care yeah. it's almost like by definition you can't not care in this yeah. centre yeah. Um, but yeah no. It is, but it is it is terribly exciting that the two have come together so 
I'm guessing you went on some kind of insight brand type journey when you came in. Um, with so, the nourishment stuff and all that. Well, so in fact, what I did, and, and I mean, different people induct themselves differently, but I always feel that you have to kind of get back to the floor. Yep. So I did a, a tour of, um, we went looking for service legends, but really it was an excuse to go and work in some of our best restaurants. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, it was a way to meet people. It was a way to meet our, meet our customers. It was a way to experience things. That was one of the... Um, and what was your favourite part of it? Um, I mean the teams. Yeah. Uh, the the teams are just extraordinary. Oh, your job role though? Did you like being in the kitchen? Oh, or do you oh, like right, serving? Yeah. Or do you I'm, like... I'm terrible in the kitchen. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm terrible. Just blue as plasters Steve, as, everywhere. As Steve Mangleshot, our executive, will tell you, I'm not allowed in the kitchen. But um, he's some guy, by the way. Oh, he's extraordinary. And he's been, and that's the other thing. What makes Wagamama special is yeah. we have a backbone of food, which is led by somebody who's worked for us for twenty years. Yeah. He's incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. So I'm I'm good on I'm good on the door. <laughs> I'm really good at running. I yeah. can run food. <laughs> oh, that's good. And is that what led to the the bowl to soul ads and this kind of stuff, or what was the sort of journey there? Um, so bowl to soul actually is something that um, Simon Cope. Um, uh, he, that you should credit him with that. Yeah. I'll credit him with that. Yeah, well I done, mean, it's yeah. a it's a really 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 brilliant mm. um, ad line because mm-hmm. um, it does sum up exactly what we yeah. are about. And there's got so many so many layers to it. And but I and it was one of those things where when you arrive as a marketer into a business, I always want to understand what's gone before. So I always get out the both the product and the marketing back catalogue, you know, go through all the old menus, got some on the table here. Um, And in fact, they just moved away from it. And I was like, you've got this gem of a a line you just moved away from. So I just, I stole with pride and we we re-instigated it. Um, Yeah, and have been, but looking to really fill it with meaning. Yes. Um, And, you know, a big part of and make it mean something for the team so a lot of the work we're doing now is around making sure that our teams look after themselves mm. you know they've got to be um and we, we work with mind and mental health charities as a, a partner mm-hmm. both externally and, and internally yeah. um you know but they've got to love themselves if they're going to love their teams and love their guests and yeah. by that we mean nourish themselves you know yeah. they've got to work the right sort of hours they've got to take the right sort of <clears throat> holidays there shouldn't be silly double shifts yeah. you know they've got to have the right sort of energy levels for the for the job they're doing yeah yeah um and we and we, we've done quite a lot of work as an organization sort of checking in on that over the last year which i think is why our our team turnover is going down i think it's why our mps is going up because it's just a focus on you know on on, on you and and your you know, nourish yourself you can nourish others yeah I just I had a real moment of joy um, the other week in, in Wagamama I went to the noodle lab mm. and I was in and this lady came up to serve me and she said oh hi how are you doing uh, how's your little one and I was like double taking going what and I think she even remembered her name right I'm going this is weird anyway we used to go to Milton Keynes one like all the is time Laurie? It was who? Was it Laurie? Laurie, has she just gone to New York? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was Laurie then. So she mm. came up mm-hmm. and um, anyway, this big old chat, I took a photo of her with me to send to my wife. My wife remembered her and did it. Mm. Anyway, she got in touch the other day through Instagram mm. and she's in New York and she mm. said, I've heard your podcast. It just was mm. like, see people like that. It's mm, just incredible. But we've got lots, I mean, Laurie yeah. is, uh, Laurie is a fantastic ambassador for Wagamama. Yeah. Um, but we've got lots of lorries. Yeah. And oh, and also your um, BUB Wagamama mm. you know, campaign is just the most lauded out there in terms of, you know, how it should be done, right? And people are still referencing it now, saying, I want my internal, you know, briefs come in to me saying, I want my internal stuff to be like this. And there was a lady there as well from Milton Keynes with red hair, really bright red hair. She's one of the posters. And anyway, she was my regular at um, Milton Keynes as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, she's just, just... She's just gone travelling after 10 years, uh, she, so I hope she comes back. Yeah, no, just... And, you know, yeah. and, and I was chuffed yeah. to see her in the ad because I was like, I know her, this is yeah, amazing. No, she's amazing. A um, couple of other things then, um, just while we're on, you know, sort of women in hospitality and, and all that sort of stuff, 
you know, obviously you're a great example for that, a great leader for, for that as well, but you're a huge champion for it. So, you know, what's, how are you seeing things out there at the moment? Are things improving? Is it the same as it ever was? What's, what's happening? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it is improving, and we can talk in a minute about maybe how that's happening. Mm. I think it is an issue. Sure. Um, and certainly when I joined the leisure sector 10 years ago and went to any of those conferences yeah. or um, dinners... I mean, it's it's a pretty hard thing to walk yeah. in as a woman, yeah. um, because it feels like a a, a, a male club yeah, or did, sure. and everybody knows each other. And they've all worked in the sector for ages, mm. and and it can feel very. It felt very sort of exclusive and intimidating as well. Very intimidating, yeah, yeah very intimidating. So. Um, um, it is improving and in part it's improving because a number of businesses have come together and are trying to act on it. And mm-hmm. I think that is the way to drive change. Yeah. So there's an initiative led by Taya Colliani and PwC and the MBS group, which is called Women in Hospitality 2020, right. where we're all signing up to make commitments to address some of the imbalance, starting off by recording where we are. And clearly yeah. the gender pay recording is helping bring that to attention. Yeah. Um, so I think that is good. I, I think we do have a responsibility to not pretend it's an issue. And also, if we want to attract really good people into the sector, we have a responsibility as female leaders to talk about it. And I can remember one of the stories I wanted to share is I remember when I was 17 and I was a, sort of not sure what I wanted to do with my life or, you know, if I wanted to be ambitious, you know, I'm, I'm at my school prize giving, Comprehensive Girls mm. School, and it's really... Um, brilliant woman Claire Rayner who is an agony aunt who is Jay Rayner's or was Jay Rayner's mum mm-hmm. because sadly she passed away she came in and, and she just challenged um, us girls we were expecting some sort of polite handshaking but she said what are you lot going to do with all this talent in the room mm-hmm. and she then said you know you're going to spend your life with your arms in his sink you know meaning do you want to get just, is your ambition yeah. just to get married um, and and finally, and this is a bit that always will stick with me, she said, you know, don't rely on your bloody looks, they'll fade. I'm sure she didn't swear, but don't rely on your looks, they'll yeah. fade. And if you think about the Instagram generation, that message is as important as ever for them now. And I, so one of the things that I feel as a senior leader responsibility to do is to sort of try and talk to young women who are thinking about careers, about the excitement of working in mm-hmm. places like hospitality. But that, that also that the future is them, is them working hard and not trying to win Love Island. Yeah. Um, so... It, we are making progress. I think it is. There's lots of talent in the sector. I'm sure you've interviewed them, mm-hmm. but it is still a very male-led sector. Yeah, still a very white sector. So the other issue is, yeah. um, is ethnicity, which I think we'll come on to. You know, we need to represent our customer base, yeah. which is has a lot of women in it and has a lot of ethnicity and you know sexual orientation as well. Absolutely, you know, just and then, yeah. all of it. And I think, but interestingly, I think I think that the restaurant sector is doing a better job at that. So, you know, I, I was yeah. delighted to see how many organisations got behind Pride in a really meaningful way. I mean, our teams yeah. do it very naturally. And, I, and it isn't really anymore about kind of trying to make money. It's just about doing the right thing. It's, what, it's, it's about celebrating the diversity of the workforce that you have. So, okay, and then, so what about Wagamama now then? What's going on? What's right in front of you? What's happening? You've got a pile of menus and stuff that we can, we can chat about. Again, when briefs come in, it's, I want my menu to look like Wagamama and I'd like a bit of gold leaf, please, and, you know, all these kind of things. So, you know, you're, you're leading the way and much imitated. So how does that Oh, happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the challenge for all of us in the sector at the moment is we're facing some extraordinary um, headwinds, mm. which may or may not, I think, probably have just got a lot harder because of the likelihood of a hard Brexit. Um, Proroguing. And um, so, I mean, kind of what I'm trying to do is sort of what we carry on doing, what we, we've been doing, which is, you know, let's make sure we've got really happy, super teams. Mm-hmm. Let's um, focus on kind of a, a, a programme of well-tested innovation, you know, stuff that the customer actually wants mm-hmm. so that we can um, continue to delight them and um, make sure we've got beautiful restaurants. So 
you know, it's not terribly complex, but it, you know, anyone who works in our sector knows it's terribly hard. It's hard yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and well, it's hard um, to stay focused like that. Yeah. So I think that's that's what we're what we're doing. I'm not. We you know. So we'll have another menu launch on mm-hmm. October the first. It's oh great. You know, come in. It's going to be delicious. Um, uh, we're launching the first Wagamama cookbook. You heard it here first. Great. On September the nineteenth, and we Steve haven't. Steve's leading that. Steve's leading that, and we Wonderful. haven't actually had a cookbook. I'll send you a copy. We haven't had one since uh, for 13 years. So it's actually yeah. quite a big milestone for us that mm-hmm. we've launched this um, cookbook and it's called Feed Your Soul. Um, and then we're doing, uh, we'll be doing a lot of work around uh, men, um, World Mental Health Day. We've got a lot, we're doing a lot of work on mental health, mainly in, internally. Mm-hmm. Um, when is that? Is it November? It's October. October, okay. Um, we'll put some notes in there. Yeah, so I... Um, I think it's kind of you know more of what we've done, I th- and we just have to make sure we we can carry on being sharp and and facing into what invariably is going to be some big cost pressures. Yeah, and I think the nice thing is you see your efforts. You know, a lot of companies have ideas, but they don't execute on them. But you see innovation coming through. You see things happening, and that's that's a great thing. You know, it's really excellent. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I think our sector is incredibly innovative. Yeah. I mean, Burger King have just won the top advertising award uh, in Cannes. You know, that's extraordinary. Yeah, that's absolutely extraordinary that yeah. Fernando's managed to do that. And, you know, uh, I mean, I, I dream of even going to Cannes, let alone winning an advertising <laughs> award, uh, winning the advertising award there. Yeah, and that's yeah, because yeah. they just got so excited about the kind of creativity uh, of that business. And he's, they've been doing it year in, year out. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, so, last couple of things. Any advice for young marketers um, starting out in their career? It's real that I've got a, a big CEO one. Yeah, well, work on brands you believe in. Mm. Um, uh, work for good people uh, who are going to coach you. Um, and what else? Be curious about pe- about your customers, particularly the customers on the fringes of your brand. So mm. the people who are either not coming or only coming rarely. Why? And, and be quite demanding of understanding why, because almost certainly growth will be there. If you can understand why they're not coming. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Anyone starting out in the restaurant business? Uh, advice for advice them. Advice for them, yeah. Enjoy it, you know. But again, respect your customers. Make mm. sure you don't work double shifts. You know, look after yourself. Look after your energy levels. Yeah. Um, come and work for Wagamama <laughs> yeah give us a call um, and then we do a wee segment at the end um, talking about some fun questions really so best city to eat in uh, do you know what I haven't been to LA so maybe LA is the best mm-hmm. city to eat in but I think it's hard to beat London yeah I mean it is wonderful when you go to New York and you go because you go and you eat in lots of places but actually when you do these innovation trails that we, I'm sure you've done and mm-hmm. I've done Quite often, if you did them around London, you would have got the ideas that you got from um, yeah, going places. away. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, just so, from yeah, London. Soho as well. I mean, just, London, uh, just completely yeah. surrounded by everything. And um, best restaurant ever. Best restaurant. I found this one really hard because uh-huh. I've got maybe because I've got a short memory now, mm-hmm. getting old. Um, so I tend to remember. I've been I've been lucky to eat in loads of wonderful places. So I tend to remember where I've last eaten uh-huh. in a stunning place. So I was on holiday in um, a little sailing village in West Cork where the team of our local restaurant have just won a Michelin star. So a big shout out to the Muse in Baltimore. And they source all their ingredients locally, you know, really locally. Real focus on super fresh ingredients. Um, And it's fabulous. Brilliant. Best dish ever. What's your Best dish ever. Um, yakisoba uh-huh. cooked by Steve Mangleshark. Okay, can't beat it. Okay, I've not had the pleasure. Oh, um, well, I mean, actually, <laughs> cooked by any of our chefs, yeah, but yeah. It, it's, it's just such a comforting dish. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, you know. There. If I'm ever, ever staying in London on my own, I'll always go and have a yakisoba. Yeah, and yours is slightly different because I used to kind of have it at your own and the pickles in and stuff, but you know, yours definitely no, slightly it's different. Fresh yeah, 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 and yeah, chicken and prawn and noodles, yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah. That can be my new hotel delivery, yeah. And best drink ever. What's your go-to drink? I, I think so much of enjoying a drink is where the setting is. Uh-huh. So I'm, I, I've, I'm not good on giving you one drink, but I uh-huh. think that the setting has got to be sunset, sky, either a skyline or a, a view over the sea with yeah. the sun going down. Yeah. So it's those sort of moments. You know, mm-hmm. we were in Tokyo on a, a work trip recently, had a 
some fantastic drinks from the top of some of the towers looking over this incredible city. Yeah. But equally, in my sailing village in Ireland, watching the sun go down, having a, yeah, yeah. a gin and tonic, just, oh, you can't beat it. Yeah, it's just the whole experience. Yeah. And Tokyo was fun? Yeah, it's kind of bonkers. Yeah, yeah, nuts. It's my first time I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, last one is worst restaurant ever. You don't have to name and shame if you don't want to, but you can tell me after. I'll, I'll tell you after. <laughs> I mean, it's, the thing that always defines a bad restaurant experience for me is when you feel like the waiter or waitresses can't be bothered, yeah. really, and it's, you're just a number. Mm-hmm. It's this point about being on the customer side. and that. So I took my mum, who was turning 70, I said, I'll take you somewhere really special, mum. Mm. We'll, we'll have a bit of a blowout. And I'll bring your sister, who's sisters who are sort of 71 and 76. Let's go out to this very posh restaurant in London. And, you know, we were put on a pokey table. They forgot a course. Mm. We're really inattentive service. And I think it was, you know, and I just sat there. And I think partly because you work in restaurants, you, you just, you, you, you feel the sort of hackles go up. It's like, we're not their sexy clientele. So we're getting, we're getting second rate service. Um, and then we get a very expensive bill. So, and, and it's that sort of experience that, that, um, that, that I would say are the ones that stick as bad experiences. Yeah, well, I guess as well, it's that whole, you know, brand does a promise delivered thing, so your expectations are higher yeah. as well, you know, yeah. you're expecting better from them, so it's just like, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, but I had a nice birthday though, all the same. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, and then the other thing you do when you're the host is you have to pretend that it's all all right. Oh, isn't this wonderful? I mean, it's like there's a sort of soundtrack <laughs> There's an on. ulcer starting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's fine, no. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much. It was great to speak to you. Bye. A huge, huge thanks to Emma Woods, the CEO of Wagamama, for joining me on this podcast today. A massive thanks to all of you for listening. We've reached now over 10,500 listens, which is amazing. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all the messages that we get and the ratings and reviews. Thanks so much for doing that. A huge thanks also to Gaz and Gabby for all of their hard work in editing and putting together the Supersonic podcast. This is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And I hope that this episode has given you some great value that will help your brand boom. Boom.